Hey up guys, I'm Mason, the Blind Wrestling Fan, and this is my TLC 2020 review. If you enjoy this episode, you know what to do. I just got done watching TLC, the final pay-per-view of 2020, and what a mixed bag it was. This is going to be a weird one to talk about because there were some parts that I really, really liked, and some parts that I absolutely hated. These style of pay-per-views are always a little bit confusing for someone like me. As a blind wrestling fan, I feel like these sort of massive, chaotic stipulation matches are always just that little bit less impactful because I can't see the weapons shots, the nasty bumps. And it's weird to say, considering that we had war games just a few weeks ago, that I absolutely adored as a pay-per-view the war games matches were just so much fun but then at the same time this pay-per-view just didn't really do it for me in a lot of places let's get to what happened though and when we get to the points that i hated oh boy you're gonna know about it we kick off with the TLC match for the WWE Championship as Drew McIntyre defends against AJ Styles. I was kind of excited for this match just because I knew that these two would be able to put on some great stuff, but at the same time storyline wise I just had no interest. Styles goes right after Drew's knee, a clever tactic from the veteran trying to neutralise the big man's ability to climb. He's on top of Drew for a little while, but Drew starts fighting back. He hits chops and he sends AJ for a ride. Ah, oh, Tom, you're on commentary. Great. Drew hits a back body drop and then he sends AJ just clattering into a table and it sounds nasty. Drew's in control again and he dumps AJ on the barricade, ribs first and then face first. He sets up a ladder but AJ gets back into it, takes a chair to Drew's leg and stops him from climbing. Fast forward a few minutes and AJ sets up for the Styles Clash. Drew counters and ends up hitting the Future Shot DDT, but his advantage doesn't last long. AJ gets a chop block and locks in the Calf Crusher using a ladder to make it even more painful. He gets a chair and he just hits Drew with it over and over before locking in the Calf Crusher again. Drew fights back into it momentarily, but AJ goes back to the leg and then just nails him in the face with a ladder. Now it's Drew's turn with the chair. He hits AJ, tries to set up a table, but Styles gets a sneaky drop toe hold, sending Drew face first into the rungs of a ladder. Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, but Drew catches him, hits overhead belly to belly, sending Styles spine first into the ladder, but because he's not taken as much damage as Drew, it doesn't take long for him to try again, and the second time, he connects with the forearm. At this point, Styles thinks that he's got this match won. He begins to climb the ladder, but Drew comes after him and sends him flying over the top rope and through a table that's set up ringside. Drew begins to climb himself, but then The Miz arrives, with his Money in the Bank briefcase and John Morrison as backup. They send Drew crashing through a table of his own, and with both men down, Miz cashes in, inserting himself into the match. It's now a triple threat, and he's got the coast clear to win this match. But he doesn't. Almost gets involved and sends Miz through a table this time, and Morrison is the last one standing along with Omos. He smashes a chair over the back of Omos, but it has little to no effect, and Omos just chases Morrison away. 
Drew and Styles have both recovered enough to start racing up the ladder, and then The Miz joins them. And after this, everything gets a little bit confusing. I'm not gonna lie, along with everyone just falling off ladders and Tom desperately trying to call this match and doing a terrible job of it, I just got a little bit lost. The result though is in the end, Drew gets a claymore and slowly climbs the ladder and gets the title and retains and is still the WWE Champion. Overall, I thought that this was a pretty decent opening to the show. I really enjoyed AJ being the smart veteran, repeatedly going after Drew's leg. I thought it was a pretty good through line for the match. At times, I actually thought that Styles was going to win this. I thought that he was just going to outsmart Drew here, and Drew was going to end up losing and maybe transitioning into a feud with Sheamus. And then, when The Miz came out, I actually bought into that cash-in, and I thought for a second that Miz was going to walk out as the champion but I'm glad that they finally did this. Drew retains, Miz doesn't have the briefcase anymore so he can just piss off and we can possibly see a continuation of the Drew AJ feud because this match showed me that they can have something really special and I don't think that I'm ready for it to just be over. Next up Sasha Banks defends a Smackdown Women's Championship against Carmella. Honestly, I was quite looking forward to this match. I really enjoyed the build to it, with Carmella just getting inside the head of Sasha and then telling the story of Sasha being overly emotional. And with the history of Sasha not being able to defend her titles for very long, there's always that small chance that they might take it off her. Even though I thought that Carmella probably wasn't going to win, there's still that small chance and that made it quite exciting for me. Early on in the match, Sasha gets sent into the steel steps. Carmella gets her back in, goes for the cover, but Banks kicks out, so Carmella stomps her and goes for the cover again. Sasha starts fighting back into it. She ends up hitting a meteora, but it only gets her a two count. A bit later, Sasha takes what sounded like a nasty bump, hitting her neck on the apron. We get this great sequence that I really enjoyed. Michael Cole called it pretty well, if I'm honest. Banks hits a backstabber, delivers a kick, a double knees, three amigos, goes up top, hits the frog splash, but still can't get the three count. Even though he called that sequence pretty well, he then kind of messes up. He screams that Carmella spikes Banks, and Graves has to sort of wade in and say that she did a tilt-a-whirl, so I kind of gathered that it was a tilt-a-whirl DDT. Despite going for multiple covers, she still can't put Banks away, so she hits a super kick, goes for the cover again, but Banks gets the ropes. They go back and forth, trading pinfall attempts. Eventually, Carmella locks in the Code of Silence. Sasha tries to counter with the bank statement, but she can't get it in, so instead she pins Carmella's shoulder, forcing her to break the hold. The bank statement gets locked in, but then the sommelier, who we now know is called Reginald, gets involved, and Sasha gets mad. She gives him a meteora, but this leaves her distracted. Carmella comes in, capitalises, and nails Banks with a pair of super kicks, but it doesn't put her away. And not long afterwards, the bank statement is locked in again, and Carmella taps this time. I really enjoyed this match. It wasn't the longest, it wasn't a match of the year candidate, but it was a nice, solid, entertaining match and it makes 
both women look really good. Sasha gets a nice, clean defense of a title and gets to show that she can defend the title and that she's not overly emotional. Meanwhile, Carmella ends up looking like a legit contender who at any point could challenge for the title again, as well as still being a dastardly nasty little heel. She's gone from not being around to being one of the best things about SmackDown and I'm honestly really glad that they gave her this opportunity because she has shone. This was definitely one of the most enjoyable matches of the night in my opinion. The Hurt Business versus The New Day for the Raw Tag Team Championships was up next and honestly this match wasn't good or bad it just sort of happened. I'm sure some people really enjoyed this match, but honestly, I'm just not as into tag team wrestling as most other people. As a blind wrestling fan, it's just a little bit confusing and hard to keep up with at times, especially when it's one of those matches where there's lots of tags in and out and it's difficult to keep up with who the legal competitor is. Alexander starts off this match with aggression, but it doesn't take the New Day long to get on top and they hit him with multiple moves. At one point there's a bit where Kofi hits Benjamin with a stomp for two as Alexander and Woods are fighting on the outside. Wood tags in and gives Benjamin a DDT for the two. There's a part where Kofi ends up hitting SOS for two. Alexander ends up getting a knee strike and a brain buster, but Woods breaks it up. In the end, Benjamin gets a superplex, is getting ready to put Kofi away, but Alexander tags himself in, hits the lumbar check, and picks up the win for the Hurt Business. So my question for you guys is, what's next for the Hurt Business? They have the US and the Tag Team Championships, so are they going to turn their attention to Drew McIntyre? And if they do, should it be Bobby Lashley or MVP that challenges him? It means that Drew would have to go from one storyline where he has multiple people going after him to another one where he has multiple people going after him. But I think it would be a little bit more interesting because the Hurt Business is an actual faction. And to be honest, having a dominant faction running Raw might be a pretty interesting way to freshen things up. Let me know what you guys think. Well, you're going to have to bear with me guys because we've arrived at one of the points that I hated. But I think enough time has passed between me watching the match and me talking about it that I'm going to be able to stay calm. So after weeks and weeks and weeks of Lana getting put through tables, she finally got her comeuppance and got her revenge and pinned Nia on Raw and then got wiped out of her own storyline. And obviously Asuka needed a partner. So that all week we've been wondering who will the mystery partner be? And just like everybody thought the mystery partner was Charlotte okay I'm calm I'm calm I'm gonna stay calm so the mystery tag partner is Charlotte and Asker and Charlotte are just thrilled to be working as a team not much happens in the early part of the match 
Asuka and Charlotte just tagging and out and they're working pretty well as a team. But eventually the heels take control of the Raw Women's Champion and they isolate her in their corner. They send her into the post, into the barricade, they're ragdolling her around and she desperately needs help. So she tries for the hot tag for the far superior Charlotte Flair. Shayna tries to put a stop to it but it doesn't work and Charlotte comes in and starts dealing out chops. She goes after Nia's knee, hits her with a big boot for the two. Shayna tries to pull Nia to safety but Asuka wipes her out and Charlotte hits an absolutely perfect moonsault. I didn't see it but I know that it was perfect. Nia hits a Samoan drop but she doesn't realise that Asuka's tagged in and she ends up getting hit with a missile drop kick. It ends up being Asuka and Shayna. Shayna goes for the Kirifuda clutch but she can't get it in and Charlotte ends up tagging in. Shayna, who of course is nothing compared to the in-ring talent of Charlotte Flair, gets locked in the figure eight, but Nia saves her from it. Shayna goes for the Kirifuda clutch on Charlotte this time, but Charlotte rolls through into a pinning combination. Shayna kicks out, and then Charlotte hits natural selection for the win. Guys, I hate this. You know what? I don't have sponsors, I'm not monetized, so nothing's gonna happen here. I fucking hate this. To have Lana come this close to TLC, to have that storyline, and say what you want about the Lana storyline, it's had its ups and downs, and I'm sure some people, I know for a fact my best friend Dan, didn't find this interesting, but I thought it was okay. I liked the idea of them presenting Asuka as this in-ring veteran, an expert that could take someone like Lana and train her into being a winner, and it's also a good story of having an underdog that can finally get some redemption against bullies. It's a good one for the children. And then you just get this close to TLC and have Lana get wiped out, write her out and replace her with Charlotte fucking Flair. She is just the most overrated, shoved down your throat person imaginable and it just drives me up the wall. And then to have Asuka be this Babyface in peril, needing to hot tag Charlotte. And that's how this is going to go. Them as tag team champions is going to be Asuka getting beaten down and needing to tag Charlotte and then Charlotte wins, lol. And it just drives me mad. I'm going to move on before my head blows up. Next up is Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens in that TLC match for the Universal Championship. And as much as I hated that last match, I loved this match. It was mint. Owens looks like an absolute badass, just refusing to stay down. And it's the first time that we've seen Roman have a little bit of doubt, and it looked like he might actually be beaten. Oh my God, let's run through this because it was awesome. After Roman makes his way to the ring, Owens doesn't even bother with his entrance. He storms down and launches a vicious attack on Roman. He quickly ends up hitting a cannonball in the corner and a frog splash off the apron. Now that Roman's down, Owens turns his attention to the Universal Championship. He sets up a ladder, but just like we knew that he would, Jey Uso gets involved and attacks Owens. Kevin gets a chair and starts clobbering Jay, focusing in 
on the ankle, trying to break it and make sure that Jay can't get involved in this match anymore. Reigns hits a drive-by kick. He is pissed off at the way that this match started and now he's out to punish Owens. He starts battering him with a set of steel steps with a ladder. Owens refuses to stay down so Roman stomps him. He mauls him with a chair, goes for a Samoan drop. Owens blocks but Reigns hits a back body drop sending Owens crashing onto some chairs. Owens goes after Roman and hits him with a fisherman's suplex driving him onto a chair that buckles under Roman's weight. Owens sets up the ladder but once again Jay gets involved and stops him from climbing. Roman nails Owens with a superman punch but Owens fires back up, hits a super kick and a stunner on Roman before taking Jay and giving him a pop up powerbomb through a table and burying him under the rubble. Back in the ring he sets his sights on the championship again but Roman has recovered enough to put a stop to it. He gives Owens a spine buster through a table, slams him on a ladder, puts him through another table and then gives him a Samoan drop through yet another table. Now it's Roman's turn to climb the ladder but Owens who still isn't done stops him from retrieving the championship and gives him a slap. Roman is mad and he spears Owens through another table. Owens refuses to stay down. He tells Roman that he's gonna have to kill him to stop him. Roman tries to spear Owens through the barricade but Owens sidesteps and Roman crashes into the barricade. Owens gets in the ring, sets up the ladder, climbs up, gets his hands on the championship but Roman gets back in and drags him off the ladder. Owens hits a pair of super kicks, goes for a pop-up powerbomb but gets hit with a superman punch. He ends up putting Reigns through a table anyway and starts climbing the ladder again. He gets his hands on the championship again but now Uso's back. They fight. Owens gives Jay a stunner. He goes up the ladder, gets his hands on the championship one last time but Reigns gives him a low blow. He locks in the guillotine until Owens passes out and his limp body falls to the ring below, leaving Roman to retrieve his championship. What an absolutely amazing match. It was by far the best match of the night and I'm going to pay it the highest compliment that I can think of. This wouldn't have felt out of place on a takeover. Owens looks mental here, firmly in Johnny Gargano territory, refusing to stay down no matter what he got hit with. I don't normally react to wrestling audibly because I watch it alone, but when Roman hit that low blow, I went, oh, you piece of shit. Considering that I've never been the most devoted Kevin Owens fan, this storyline has completely changed my opinion, and now he's one of my favourite things, especially on the main roster. I hope this story isn't finished. Considering how personal it's been and how the match ended, there's definitely more juice that they can squeeze out of this. Up until now, I've been one of the people that thought that Big E should be the one to win the Rumble and face Reigns at WrestleMania. But at this point, I think that I would love Owens to not learn his lesson, to not leave Roman alone, to go into the Royal Rumble and eliminate people and face Roman at WrestleMania because there is untapped potential here. There's so much they can mine and I'm not ready for it to be over. What a match. Mate, 
I wish that that was the main event. I wish that we could end on a positive note. But unfortunately, that match was the golden nugget in a shit sandwich between the Charlotte return and this Firefly Inferno match between Randy Orton and The Fiend, where the aim is to set any part of your opponent on fire. And I hated it. I hated it, and I hated the end of it. It took a few minutes to get started. The Fiend was just giggling and laughing at Orton. Orton ended up going for the RKO, but was driven into the corner and headbutted. He managed to avoid the sister Abigail once, twice, and on the third time, he tries for an RKO, but gets hit with the sister Abigail. He then avoids getting set on fire multiple times. He avoids getting murdered with a pickaxe. He then wraps his fist in a chain and goes after the Fiend, which I've always hated. I hate it when people wrap the fists in chains because that would definitely hurt your hand more than your opponent. In the end, he advertises the RKO, gets hit with the mandible claw, fights out of it and sets the fiend on fire. Not content with winning the match, Orton goes and retrieves some gasoline and he pours it all over the fiend and then sets the fiend properly on fire as commentary scream at him not to do it. Why did they do this? Why did they do this? I don't understand. When Bray Wyatt first debuted this fiend character, there was the potential there for it to be something special, something different, genuinely creepy, and something that properly stood out from everyone else. You want someone to replace The Undertaker? That right there is what could replace The Undertaker if you'd have done it right. But instead, they had him lose the championship before. They had him just do nothing for so long and then go up against Randy Orton and we all thought, this is it. This is where The Fiend can finally get some revenge. He can finally pay Randy back for burning down the Wyatt compound. But no, no. He ends up getting set on fire, so no longer does he seem like this demonic entity, this unstoppable force, he gets humanised, it just seems like it's Bray Wyatt dressed up, and now they've acted like he's been set on fire, and like Randy is this horrible psychopath for doing it. This is absolute bollocks, Randy Orton doesn't need building anymore. We all know he's great, we all know he's a legend, we all know he's a Hall of Famer in the making. I don't understand why they felt the need to feed the Fiend to Orton and have Orton set him on fire and not just win the match but be like, oh well I want, I'm not satisfied with that, I've got to go and get some gasoline and actually set him properly on fire to have a shock ending to TLC to cap the year off in a fucking flame fest. I oh, just cannot stand this. Maybe, maybe if I'd have been able to see and see the spectacle of the flames and how cinematic and cool it looked, maybe I would have enjoyed it a bit more but I feel like I still would have hated this ending and honestly it's so disappointing and coming right after that amazing match between Owens and Reigns it just felt like an absolute turd had been laid as the show went off the air. I just don't know why they did this. All in all, when it comes to TLC, the bits that hit were spot on, but the bits that missed were so far off the mark. I enjoyed the Styles-McIntyre match at the time, but in the end, I feel like it 
pales in comparison to the Owens Reigns TLC match which will definitely go down as one of my top 10 favourite matches of this year. At the same time Charlotte returning and replacing Lana in that women's tag match and Randy Orton getting one over on Bray Wyatt once again will both definitely go down as one of my top 10 worst moments of this year. So there were some real highs and some real lows but if you want to let me know what you thought of TLC 2020 you've got options. You can drop your thoughts in the comment section, find, follow and get in touch on Twitter at Mason underscore WITD or email wrestlinginthedark at gmail.com. That's all we've got time for for now. I'm off and you should have a good